Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Can we get up for the kids this morning? Can we appreciate our Good children? Good morning, Bridge. Amen. Celebrating with our graduates last week. It's good for us to celebrate with our kids as well as we kick off or as we kind of wrap up a series uh, that we've been calling Insta Family. Of course, we're celebrating Father's Day. Uh, I love Father's Day cards. There's all kinds of things about Father's Day that I love. I, I became a, a father 43 years ago, and, uh, and I've kept every Father's Day card I've ever received since then. This afternoon at some point, I'll go into the drawer, and I'll pull them all out, and I'll read all three of them, and I'll just remember how nice it was to get a card from Kim all of those years. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, my favorite Father's Day card, though, is one I saw in a store one time. Uh, the, the outside of it said, uh, uh, Happy Father's Day. I learned everything I know from you, Dad, except one. You open up the card and it said, The family car really will do 110. <laughs> so can we give it up for our dads and all the things they've taught us? Yeah, come on. That's right. The truth of the matter is, I learned most of what I know about being a dad from my dad, and he learned most of what he knew about being a dad from his dad, and we honor them, we honor you guys for all the things you've taught us about life, and just about being a man, but specifically about being a father, and so we honor the dads, the biological dads, the adoptive dads, the stepdads, the, the spiritual fathers among us, thank you for who you are and what you do. During our few minutes today, uh, Pastor Andy and I were dialoguing a little bit uh, and, uh, and we decided that, that we really, really, really do love uh, the things that our dads have taught us. Both of us, of course, are missing our dads pretty deeply today, as I know many of you are as well. And so we mean no dishonor when we say this, but one of the things that came out of our conversation was the realization that there were a few things that, that our dads learned that they passed on to us that quite frankly ain't true. There's some things that the culture taught that Christ didn't agree with, that the world taught that the word doesn't say. And so we spent a little bit of time talking and thinking and praying about it and decided that there were three things that probably need to be just brought to the surface. So in our time together, uh, Pastor Andy and I are going to just share some thoughts from our own hearts, from our own families, some of these things that, that came out of our dialogues, these simple ideas that, uh, that maybe us dads need to think about. Now, let me be very clear. Uh, historically, for many, many years, my adage was honor moms on Mother's Day, challenge dads on Dad's Day. That's not our goal today. We are not here to challenge you dads. If anything, we're here to challenge the non-dads in the house. We're going to identify some of the things that we were taught by the culture that we wrestle with. We've come to realize that they aren't true, but they were ingrained in us. And so we can have a journey to be able to break free from that stuff. And frankly, we need your help. So we're here to honor our dads, but we're also here to ask you non-dads to help us out as we navigate these waters of being fathers in the 21st century. So simply put, three cultural lies, if you want to call it that, that we were taught, and, uh, and I dare say we're not the only ones, that we, that we need your help to process through. So let's get into it. Ready to get into it, Andy? Can we welcome Pastor Andy Stovall to the stage this morning? 
Pastor Andy, of course, has been a spiritual father in this house for 25 years. Praise God for Andy and everything he does for us. So let's get into it. Okay, first cultural lie that we identified was this idea that self-esteem comes from career success. That was kind of drilled into us from the youngest days and, and, and to moms as well. But this is Father's Day. We talked about you ladies six weeks ago. We're talking about fathers today. Every psychologist uh, that you read after will, will tell you that human beings need two things. Every human being on the planet needs two things. We need to love and be loved, and we need a sense that we're doing something worthwhile with our lives. That's good. That's positive. I think that's real. The problem is we were taught growing up that that sense of worthwhileness comes from career success. It was kind of drilled into us. You work hard, get a good education. You're going to get, get a good job. You'll make a lot of money and you'll be successful in life. And, and when, as you increase your net worth, it will increase your self-worth. And so the result is that we have this struggle in terms of where do we get our self-esteem. And you may say, no, no, Jim, I don't think that at all. But ask anybody who manages people, and they will tell you to a person the most volatile subject in any workplace is pay cuts. Am I right? You may need to start talking about we're going to start paying people less, and morale goes down and tensions go up every time because somehow a raise feels like we're worth more and a pay cut feels like we're worth less. And, and heaven forbid we find out a coworker that does about the same job we do actually makes more than we do, then now suddenly we feel like, well, why don't they value me as much as they do them? That's real tension and pressure we dads have to deal with. Absolutely. And dads, there's another thing that you already know, and I probably don't even have to remind you, but it is that our kids are watching. They're watching our lives. They're watching how we respond to this, how we respond to where we get our self-worth. And, and even more so, if not equally as valuable, is just understanding that we have an obligation to our children uh, to, to train them, to find what their bent is and lead them in that direction, encourage them in that direction. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child up in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What is your child's natural inclination? What is that thing that they're naturally gifted at? Find that out. Help them e explore that and discover what that is. See, this proverb teaches us to help our child do that, to go after that above a paycheck, a title, or a position. Because here's the reality. If we can help them do that, we can help them discover and find that thing that they love. And if you go to work every day doing what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, 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 and that's true, Pastor Andy, but, and yet the culture still pulls us back into this, this stress. I mean, ask any dad, you know, if they love their families and they'll say, oh yeah, my, oh, absolutely, beat their chest, love my family. But you let a, a work deadline and a school project one of your children needs to be done come up at the same time, which one wins? The work project wins almost every time. Yeah. And it's not because dads love work more. It's because we've created a lifestyle that has so many status symbols to prop up our self-worth that we have to pay for them. Amen to that. And so 
non-dads in the house, it is not unusual for us to struggle with that. It's not unusual for us to, to struggle with the balance of that. So, but I do want to encourage you, when we do this correctly, the payoff is massive. The payoff is so big. Yes, there are payoffs to work, but money will be spent and titles will ring hollow after a while. Many of us get up day in and day out and we feel like the guy walking through the door behind me. Do you see that? Welcome home, dear. Did you catch the carrot today? <laughs> Did you catch it today? When we go after money or title or success or that one more thing, we're, we're chasing that carrot that's tied to that stick and it's always just out of arm's reach. How much money is enough? What did Howard Hughes say? Just a little bit more, right? There's never enough. There's never enough money. So instead of running after that prize that we're never going to catch, finding out that real self-esteem comes from this. Romans 5, beginning in verse 5, this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts when we were unable to help ourselves at the moment of our need, what did Christ do? He died for us. Although we were living against God, very few people will die to save the life of someone else. But God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Now I know that with all my heart, but I still have to be reminded of that Every single day, my value, your value comes from God. It's in Christ. It's not in what I make. It's not in whether or not you like me or the network of friends that I'm with like me. It's found in Jesus. And that is so important that we teach that to our children as they grow. So, non-dads, how can you help us? What can you do to help us? Let me speak to the wives first. Can I speak to the wives for a second? Wives, can you know how you can help us? This is one of the things that I've learned in my own life because it was a journey for me to get there as well, you know. And in my case, uh, I would say, but I'm serving the Lord as if that made it okay for you, me to miss milestones and special events in my boy's life along the way. But here's what Kim always did uh, throughout all the years our boys were growing up. She would remind me privately of those values. She would support me publicly. When I would be away off in the rainforest preaching or starting some church somewhere, doing something else, Kim would say to the boys, you know, your dad really loves you and he wants to be here. But what he's doing is really important. And she would encourage them and build them up and build me up in their eyes. And then privately when I got home, she would pull me aside and say, boy, you better get your act together. <laughs> Thank God for, an, for a godly woman who would support me publicly but would challenge me appropriately privately it was a huge part of helping me to succeed as a father amen and boy I love those closed door sessions that I've had with Kirsten over our 25 years of marriage she's good about it but it they're not fun teenagers how can you help us be content be content with what you have do you know how hard we work to provide the things that you have. There are six cars in my driveway. 
Six. Count them. Ah, six cars. And they need to have gas and they need to be worked tires on. And and absolutely. <laughs> all that stuff that has to happen. We work many, many hours not only to give you what you need, but to give you what you want, to give you what you desire. It takes immense pressure off of us if, if you walk in this right here. If you would learn Hebrews 13, 5. Hmm. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Don't go after, don't chase after money and things. Our role as fathers is not to put cars in the driveway, four-wheelers in the garage and clothes on their back. Our greatest job as dad is to be there and love our families well. And I want us to do that. I want to do that. Here's the second lie that culture teaches us. Women prefer the silent type. The silent, strong, big Keanu Reeves has done six films in the last few years and probably has had six pages of dialogue because he just All of them put together. is awesome. Standing around, being, I mean, you know, his name is Keanu. So, I mean, cool. that's got to be cool, right? But culture would have us believe that. You know what I hear more and more often, though, in counseling than I do anything else? When we dated, the whole evening we were out, he just talked and we shared and we talked about our future and all the wonderful things that could happen in our life. And now I'm lucky if I get a grunt and a tick out of him. And we're guilty of doing that, guys, and we cannot do that. The average couple spends four minutes a day in face-to-face conversation. Four minutes a day. Nobody should come talk to me about how they're arguing. You ain't around each other long enough. You can't get that mad in four minutes, right? 85% of couples that are struggling in their relationship say communication, number one. Number one thing that they deal with. And I hate to... To, to buy into stereotypes, I, I don't like them, but I would say that generally men are the biggest culprits here. We struggle. We struggle in this. We struggle to communicate. Now, now we can fix something. Something breaks. Man, let me get in there and do it. Let me tell you a statistic about uh, the Georgia Bulldogs or some athletic team. I'm good to go, but talk about my feelings. Man. Do we really need to do that? And we can debate whether it's nature or whether it's nurture, but the bottom line is this. Proverbs says in verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 17, an unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. Reliable communication brings healing, but it doesn't come naturally. It's not super easy for us and now ladies I'm telling you I know what you're thinking right now because I've had it said to me so many times I shouldn't have to tell him he should know I just saw a bunch of women going uh huh yeah now he's preaching (laughs) I shouldn't have to tell him he should know you're probably right 
Let me clue you in on something though. He doesn't know. (laughs) We don't know. We need you to tell us. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking families to do this. Give dad permission to ask questions. What do you need? Here's a great question. Dad, ask this question this week. What can I do to make you feel more supported and more secure? Now, when you ask that question and they answer, we're accountable. We need to do something with that. But give dad permission to ask, how can I do this more effectively? How can I do this better to to serve you, to honor you, to make you feel secure and to make you feel supported. So again, we're talking to, to challenging non-dads today. So wives, what's the best thing you can do for us besides answer the question when we ask it? Be patient with us. Mm-hmm. This, you know, it, again, it was drilled into us with role models and movies and, and everything else for so many years. Be, try to be patient with us through this journey. I love Romans 12, 12 on this, uh, this subject. So Put it somewhere, uh, if you're struggling in these areas, ladies, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And so (laughs) kind of unpack that. If you will pray faithfully for us and be patient, even though our dumbness is an affliction to you sometimes, then you will find joy as we begin to get better and better at this. So wives, help us out. Be patient with us, okay? Amen. And teenagers... This is where I'm living. Not that mine do this. No. But this is where I live. Guys, be respectful. Be respectful. Understand that it's tough for us to to be that vulnerable. To sit down and say, okay, I'm going to start using my words. We're going to talk. But when it's met with sarcasm, when it's met with, with disrespect, it could shut dad down even more. It can cause even more problems. So here's what you can do. You can bless yourself by blessing him with respect. Don't, when you start talking, go, oh, my goodness. Oh, roll your eyes. Dad's about to use words. (laughs) But be respectful. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 12, says, Respect those who lead you in the Lord and teach you, respect them with a very special love because of the work they do with you. Live in peace with each other. The goal here is to help out dad today, to to identify these cultural lies. So self-esteem does not come from career success. I tell you, one of the ways that my wife blesses me year after year after year, she's always looked at me and said, I believe in you and I know there is absolutely nothing you can't do. You put your mind to it. She has no idea how much that helps me, how much that blesses me. But man, it does. Just knowing that she's there, she's supporting and it doesn't matter the title. It doesn't matter the the income. What matters is that we're walking this thing out with God. And then the second lie that women prefer the silent type. No, they don't. Speak to your lady. Speak to your family. They so desire it. But there's one more cultural lie that we want to identify. And, and it's been a big one for me in my own 
journey to become a godly father. And it goes something like this. Being sensitive means I'm soft. That somehow if I do get in touch with my emotions, if, if I allow myself to cry, if, if I become a tender person, then I I'm somehow have to turn in my man card. I'm not, I'm not a manly man anymore. Manly men don't cry. Girly men cry. Manly men don't do that. And, and so it was drilled into me even at the youngest age. I mean, in very powerful kinds of terms. I've, I've told you guys before uh, that I lost my dad very young. I was still a teenager. He was 41. And I remember vividly uh, when he passed, we, at the night of the visitation, I, 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 you know, lots of people there, family, friends, and neighbors were gathered, and, and it reached a point where I just, I just couldn't handle it anymore, and I stepped out of the room, out into the hallway, and lost it for a minute. And I'm just out there weeping, and my uncle, who was a godly man, deacon in our home church, walked out to me, and when I saw him coming, I thought, okay, he's, he's going to comfort me, he's going to encourage me. What Uncle R.T. did is he looked me in the eye, grabbed me by the shoulders, and said, stop that crying, boy, you're a man now, and your family needs you. <laughs> I was taught in that moment in the most poignant terms that menly men don't cry. They suck it up. And that's the way you're supposed to be because being sensitive is, a, is, the equil- is the equivalent of being soft. The other thing that we were taught along these lines is that we're to be competitive, we're to go after it. And, and that's one of those things I think that kind of comes naturally. I still remember not too many years before dad died, I'd gotten, to, uh, I, I'd gotten to where I was taller than him. My dad was not a big guy. He was, I think, 5'7", maybe 140 pounds. And, and I had gotten to 5'10", 5'11", 160 pounds. And so I'm thinking, I bet I can take the old man. <laughs> you know, I was 15, 16 years old. And, 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 you know, I respected him too much to go after him. But at the same time, I kind of wanted to see if I could take the old man. And so we're out in the yard one day, and I started messing around. It turned into a wrestling match. And before I knew it, I was on my back. His knee was in my chest. His face was in my face. And he said, thought you could take the old man, didn't you? <laughs> no, Dad, I was just kidding around. But he knew what was going on, and every guy in this room knew what was going on because it's just it's kind of built into us that this toughness, this, this, uh, the, this strength is a part of being a man. Now, don't misunderstand me. Um, that served us well, served our families well through the years in many ways. You get out there in the job market, you get out there in your career and, and you got to make decisions and you got to do hard things and, and sometimes you have to make tough decisions that, that people aren't going to like, you know. You run at supersonic speed all day long. It's a competitive world. I get it. We got to be prepared for that. But then you come from that environment, you come home and, and, and then your daughter needs to tell you every piece of Barbie's new wardrobe and your son needs to describe for you every hat code that he's found for the new video game and your wife is behind you saying the washing machine's making funny noises you need to fix it and your head is about to explode you just want to run away I get it but the truth of the matter is our families need us to be sensitive they need us to be tender they need us to be able to be there for them in those kinds of moments so just non-dads you know that's it's a struggle it can be a challenge for us and even when we get it right sometimes we'll get drawn back in if we're not guarded we'll get drawn back in uh, to the old ways that we have to challenge ourselves in pastor jim as you're sharing that i can't help but remember back in the mid-90s promise keepers was a big big organization and i think they're they're still around to some degree now 
But um, I was in an arena with a bunch of men and Bill McCartney, the founder of Promise Keepers, was speaking and I don't remember what he was speaking on. But I remember this statement that he made because it so resonated with me. I was the dad of young kids and I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my thing at the church and, and work really hard and, and, and love on the community and, and, and love on my family uh, well also. And I remember him leaning in in the podium and he said, men, here's what I need you to do every single day. When you go home from work at the end of a long day, you pull up in that driveway, you park your car and you sit there for a moment. You unpack everything that's happened to you that day. Because I don't know, I highly doubt I'm the only guy that's ever done this. But our tendency is to bring the stuff of our day back home with us. And we respond to the people that we know love us the most and will take it from us. And we unpack that on them. And he said, don't you dare do that. When you go home, be home. Be home. Go home and be with your kids. I was looking at some of the Father's Day pictures, Pastor Jim, uh, earlier this morning. And I saw one of a, a grandfather. And all of these posts and all of these pictures were him playing with the grandchildren, surfing with his son, doing all these things. Y'all guess who I'm talking about? Hmm. Mitchell Grantham. And I thought, man, what a, what a great example of going home and being home on the floor, playing with Legos. Do you think Mitchell loves to play with Legos? When his granddaughter's laying beside him, he does. Mm -hmm. It's his favorite thing to do. And look, guys, this is a challenge not just for dads. This is a challenge for us all. We go home. And we're sitting in the recliner or there's some on the couch and everybody's got what in their hand? Their cell phone. We're looking at who's posted what and a TV may be on but nobody's really paying attention and we're not engaged with one another. It's a great challenge today but Hebrews 12 encourages us. It says, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Amen. When we go home and we're not home, it's because our priorities have gotten out of whack. And we got to get our priorities back. Everybody in the family. We all do that. We all need to do that. But it does start with dad, right? So we fix our eyes on Jesus. We look to him and he centers us and he gets us back in that place that we need to be. But I just pray that that would be something all of us could grab a hold of. That we would, you know, we see that commercial of granddad and grandma having all the family over. And they've actually got uh, the, the metal detector out to get all the devices from everybody coming in the house. That's what I'm talking about. Let's be with one another and enjoy the gift that God has given us in our families. Amen. So we've got to close Pastor, let me just say a couple of things as, as we wrap. To, to you dads here, uh, 
there may have been a challenge or two in this. That wasn't our goal. I hope you feel honored. I do. Because we honor you. We honor you for who you are, for what you do, for what you teach, for the way you role model, for the sacrifices that you make. We, we honor you and we hope that you feel honored and supported. Pastor Andy and I are on the journey with you. Amen. I'm in the grandfather stage, but that doesn't change anything. Uh, that commitment is still there. The desire is still there. And what we do is so critically important to the future generations. To you non-dads among us, I hope you've heard what we're trying to say. We're not here to pick on dads. We're here to help you understand. The more understanding you have, the more understanding you can be. You'll understand some of the struggles that that the dads in our lives may have uh, and why sometimes he might be a little gruff instead of tender or he might be a little distant instead of talkative or he might be a little consumed with his career and bringing money home as opposed to spending time at home when he struggles with some of these things here's what I want you to understand here's what I want you to remember the bottom line of all of this is if I were to ask the dads in this room who would give their lives for their kids in a moment every dad in this place would leap to his feet I need you to understand that when we get it wrong please know that's a guy that would die for you in a minute without a blink Patrick Morley tells the story in his book, Man in the Mirror. That's a powerful, tragic story, but it's a poignant one uh, that brings this thought home. He tells a story about three dads and their sons who went on an Alaska fishing expedition. And it was going to be a great father-son kind of adventure. They, they went up to Alaska. They rented a seaplane. They flew out to one of those remote places where they could fish for salmon. And, and they had a great day of fishing. At the end of the day... They discovered something that they didn't realize, and that is that Alaskan tides are phenomenal. We, you know, we get five or six feet of tide surge. They get 20 feet of side, uh, tide surge. And so where the seaplane was anchored, the tide had gone out, and it was sitting on a rock face. So they had no choice but to spend the night in the cold, unprepared to camp, while the tide came back up the next day. And the next morning they came out. The seaplane, of course, was... Uh, was lilting to one side because one of the pontoons had, had, had cracked and it had filled with seawater. They decided to try to take off anyway and the plane crashed, throwing all six of them into the cold waters. Two of the dads and their sons made it to shore. One of the dads was left out there with his son. The dad was a strong swimmer. The 12-year-old son was not. And the two dads and two sons on the shore watched helplessly as the dad chose to die with his son in those cold waters over saving himself, leaving his son alone there. Greater love hath no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's who your biological, adoptive, step, spiritual dads are and I'll ask you simply to find a way to honor them not just today but day by day when they get it right and when they get it wrong Ephesians chapter 6 familiar passage we've used it during this series honor your father and your mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth it doesn't say honor those dads 
if they're honorable enough or if they always get it right because we don't. It just says honor them. And who gets blessed when you do? Well, to all the non-dads in the house, we do. We do. We're the ones that get blessed. I will say one thing to the dads before I go. And that simply is this. There is one decision you can make. If you haven't made it already, I beg you not to leave this room or don't turn your live stream uh, service off until you make it. Joshua made that decision very, very publicly in front of the entire nation. The critical decision, not just for himself and for his family, but for the whole nation. When he stood before the nation and he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Dad, the most important decision you'll ever make is the decision to serve the Lord. I was looking at some of the Facebook posts and things this week as well and so many of you posted about your dad and and how your dad uh, were they, they were godly men men who loved Jesus men in many cases who are in heaven now and and you honored them for for that heritage and that legacy and well you should thank you for saying those things about them I didn't have the privilege of growing up with a Christian father a godly father after I came to Christ at 17, soon after accepted a call to, to pastoral ministry, I was invited to preach in our home church, my first sermon. I knew my dad would come just because I, you know, was preaching. I preached from Acts 16.31 where Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. And I preached this fabulous, beautiful, eloquent nine-minute sermon <laughs> on how important it is for whole families to come to Christ together. Nothing happened that morning, but that Tuesday night, Dad, at home alone, watching Billy Graham on television, gave his life to Christ. Didn't say a word to any of us. The following Sunday, we were in church, and Lo and behold, dad came walking in, sat down in the back, and okay, dad's in church. The end of the service, the pastor gave a general call to come to the altar and spend a few minutes in prayer, and, and, uh, and so there were some guys and gals sitting with me, and so, you know, we all decided we would go, and I stepped out into the altar, out into the aisle, and stepped back for a young lady to go forward, and, and uh, when I stepped back, somebody ran into my back. I looked over my shoulder and said, what in the world? And, and it was my dad. And he was crying. And we fell in the altar together. He made his public confession of Jesus Christ that day. He died less than a year later. But you know what? That decision to this day defines my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the kind of dad I want to be. He didn't have a whole life to give, but God accepted him just as if he did. So hear me, guys. If you haven't made this decision, we will serve the Lord. Do not leave this room. Do not turn that computer off until you make it. I don't care if 
You're 80 and your children are already in their 50s. It don't matter. You make the decision. And watch God use that in the generations beyond you, not just to bless your life, but the generations that are following you. Dad, this is huge for us. Huge for us. I'm going to ask you to join me in that prayer. Maybe you've already prayed that in time past. Maybe today's the day to renew, refresh that commitment, but join me in that prayer, would you? Jesus, I choose you. I choose you. I choose to serve you. I choose to follow you. Forgive me for not doing it before now or not doing it perfectly. Would you give me a fresh start today? Would you help me to understand not only am I the one who will be blessed by this decision, but the generations to come in my family will be blessed because dad knew the Lord. I pray blessing over every family that's represented here in this room and online. Those who will be watching the video in the next few days, maybe months or years to come, Lord, this day, let the dads say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll give your name, the glory for everything that comes from it. We'll give you thanks for all the blessings we receive because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.